Hello, everybody, on this awesome Sunday, beautiful weather. Hello, Jose. My name is Jose, if you don't know me. Lonnie has some repenting to do. Me and Audrey talked about it earlier. <laughs> it's a constant. <laughs> Just keep striving. <laughs> well, let's pray before we get into get into God's word, you guys. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would be here in this this building today, Lord, as um as Adam was just leading us in worship and just explaining those songs. Um, man, Lord, I just I just felt like you like there's no question you're in this place today, Lord God. Um, so we just thank you for that. We invite you to just speak to us, Lord. Um, this is a this is a heavy message, Lord. This is a this is a stout message, God. It's a it's a direct, Father, but it's good because it's your word, Lord. And so we praise you for that, God. And with these kinds of messages, Lord, I just pray, man, would you just just lead us into humility to receive your word, to let it marinate, to chew on it, God, and to to not dislike the taste of it but like the taste of it god so that we would remember it and it would change us forever lord to draw closer to you in holiness lord jesus so we just pray these things in your name amen Amen. well we're going to pick up in this series um a new part of this series but it just it just continues to roll out from what we were in last week of um of qualifications of elders. And, um, you know, just, just as we're thinking of that, you know, it just, we think of, man, like all the jobs that elders and pastors have, you know, and we kind of covered it last week, but man, it, it must, it must be awesome. You know, it must be, must be for the money because the money's amazing. Right. <laughs> we're all laughing. It's <laughs> like, yeah, what money? Right. Um, you know, there's hard things that elders and pastors get to get to do and get to deal with, but you know, they accept the job and they the Lord has put the job on their heart, and um, it's another reason that is it's a it's an amazing job to be used by the Lord. And when we're thinking of when we we're, we're about to go into, we're just we still have this in our mind. We're thinking about the qualifications and what it looks like. Um, being shepherds, you know, and we think of that as a the perfect model, which is the great shepherd, which is God, the perfect model. And um, as a shepherd leads, you know, or the definition of it rather is to lead, to feed, to heed, to protect by prayer, exhortation. That's how these. That's how a a, a shepherd does it. You know how how the great shepherd, our God, how. He talks about it in the Psalms. And in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. The cup runs over. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I just, we read that in in the Psalms, and we read how great our, our shepherd, our leader is. We read of an example that our pastors and elders should be shepherding the congregation, the flock, the church, the people, in these same ways. And so, you know, Jesus, he did these things perfectly. You know, he shepherded, he was a leader in, in so many ways physically on this earth. I think of Mark ten forty five, where Jesus says that, you know, he came, you know, God himself came to serve and not be served. What does that tell us? Selflessness, right? Amen. That's God saying that. And then right here in John 21, 15 through 17, where he's talking... To the beat down, very upset Peter that um, that ran from Jesus, said he didn't know him and made eye contact with him. He, he says, "So when they had, it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these?" And he said, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." He said to him, "Feed my lambs." He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed, parentheses, pasture, 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 Pasture and pasture, it's my sheep. Okay, so we just we get this perfect this perfect image of that. And he is going on to tell his people that he's gonna point in leadership, right? That's what we, we see in that section. To go and tend, heed, protect. And there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. And you guys the, the heavy part that goes with that, the fun part as a pastor and as an elder and as leadership that goes with that, and I'm being facetious here, is church discipline. Right? Discipline for holiness, though. Hear that. This is good for young kids to hear. This message is amazing. Right along with all of us adults. Like, it is heavy. But it's, it's God's Word. We're going to look at it, and we're going to pull up Scripture that talks about this exact thing. But you could imagine, like, especially you guys know Rory. Like, he's a loving guy. You think he enjoys this part of his job, church discipline. And I've had to walk through him with some, Adam's had to walk through with him a lot throughout the years. And what I know is it grieves that guy. Like, he, he loves everybody. Like, like nobody I know loves people but it's God's word and so he's faithful to do it and he accepts what comes out of that okay and I'm going to read a bunch to you guys and I'm the worst reader in the world 
But man, stay tuned and just stay focused in this because like, there's no reason for me to put my spin on this. The things that are outside of the actual scripture because it just couldn't be said any better than this. So, and that's, that's my opinion as well. But Okay, so the local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are disciplined for holiness. Keep that in your mind. Why are we disciplined? It's for holiness, okay? You have the obligation to be disciplined towards holiness and to be a part of disciplining others towards holiness. In studying, finding this duty to be coupled with the obligation we examined five, that we examined when we started this study a few weeks ago, the part of being our brother's keeper. Do you guys remember that? It's talking about how we have an obligation to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside each other and lift each other up. And that might be in the bad stuff and that's in the good stuff. It's all parts of life. Okay? And so we have a responsibility by inciting inciting one another towards greater expressions of Christianity. Church discipline is one of the most misunderstood and yet desperately needed ministries within the church. We do not believe that it is an optional ministry of the church, but one required of us in the Scripture. Scripture says to do this. Sadly, what most people think is think of when we hear church discipline is excommunication. The final stage of, of the biblical process. So yes, it is part of it, excommunication, if it gets to that point, and we will get into that. And excommunication, right? Kicked out. We understand that? Excommunication is what happens when discipline fall or fails to result in repentance and reconciliation. Okay, we talked about it last week, what repentance is. It's not just, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me, right? Remember that? It's turning and changing what you are doing. What, like, what, what separates us from saying sorry over and over again from the world that doesn't believe in Jesus? If we don't turn the other direction, we're no different. We're doing the same thing that the world does that rejects Christ and what He teaches us because we just keep doing it over and over but nothing changes. We just continue down the same path. But, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. What does sorry mean at that point? Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. But here's the thing that goes with that, with the repentance. And here's why I'm bringing it up again in in today's, in this part of today's section is because what it says here is the result of repentance and reconciliation. The teaching in town today was on Acts chapter 3 where Peter finally stands up and he's just absolutely tongue-lashing the people that crucified Christ saying, you guys crucified God. And one of the first things when he starts into a sermon, he says, is what? Repent. And then he goes on with, I don't know what he says after that, but I know he starts out with repent. You hear Jesus through the gospel say it. Repent, be baptized. Right? There's a start of that. So yes, there you go. There's, there's the sorry. Right? We do say sorry. That, we don't quit saying sorry. There's the start of that. But what's after that? The turning away. What is the turning away? And go the opposite direction? It's action. You, if you can sit there and say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and never leave your house. Do you love Jesus? 
There's no action there. We only exist to go tell people about Jesus. That's the only reason we have a breath of air in our lungs. That's it. So there's no action. So right here, repent and reconciliation. So that turning, that changing, truly going the other direction, are you still going to fall and say sorry and get back up? Absolutely. Till we're in heaven, we will. We'll screw up and we'll continue to do mean things and have reasons to say sorry. But it's still this change. And when you're doing that and it's true and it's this other direction, this reconciliation, pretty soon the Lord has come alongside of you. And guess what? Those things stop happening. That's a promise from God. Now, I'm not going to sit here and promise you the timeline or how long that takes. Hopefully it's not a lifetime, but maybe it would be. Um, but that's what it's talking about here. Okay, and that's what happens when, when we're talking about the excommunication being, being kicked out is what happens when the discipline fails that we're getting into and the result of that in repentance and reconciliation. Okay, this misunderstanding plagues most discussions, most practices, sabotaging the grace of God that can come through church discipline. It's a good thing. The grace of God will come through biblical discipline. Biblical discipline is, first and foremost, training. We all need training. If we're going to go on a marathon, we got to train. If we're going to rope cattle, we got to train. It's good. Dis- discipline and disciple are from the same root word. Simply, to be a disciple of Jesus means to live a disciplined life, humbly, always humbly, receive discipline as needed. Okay, the gospel shows the need for discipline. This is a really, really neat section, you guys. Okay, so the, and I have not read this book, but I, I want to read it after um, reading through this part of it. But um, Jonathan Lehman, if you guys want to write that down and check this out. Um, he asked the question in, in his book, Church Discipline, that's the name of the book. How the church protects the name of Jesus. So let's think about that, right? We went through the qualifications of an elder and a deacon and stuff, but the amazing thing about that teaching we went through last week is whether any of us are called to be an elder or deacon or we're not, it still applies in our lives because what are we doing? We're setting an example for Jesus Christ all the time with our families, behind closed doors with our families, to our friends that are Christians and to our friends that maybe are not Christians. We're constantly... Setting a good example. And this is not a whipping of, of condemnation and stuff. That's between you and the Lord. This is just encouragement of where the scripture tells us how we do these things and how to get there. So anyways, back to this guy, um, Jonathan Lehman. He asked them, um, uh, okay, he sa- says, which gospel do you believe in? Your answer to that question will have a direct bearing on what you think about church discipline. Therefore, it's worth making sure we are taking about the, we are talking about the same gospel before we talk about anything else. Here we have two subtle now hear this because it is very subtle. Subtle different different versions of the gospel. Okay? The first one will probably shut down and talk any talk about church discipline. The second one will start conversation. Okay, we're gonna get two examples of the gospel. They're gonna be very similar. They're going to be very, there's going to be subtle differences. And the first one will probably shut down any talk 
about church discipline. The second one will start conversation about church discipline. Apply this into your homes. If you're living for Christ, we're all part of the body of Christ. Discipline at home. Church discipline. Okay, you can kind of lump these together. Okay, let's hear the two Gospels. First one. God is holy. We have all sinned, separating us from God. But God sent His Son to die on the cross and rise so that we might be forgiven. Everyone who believes in Jesus can have eternal life. We are not justified by works. We're justified by faith alone. The gospel therefore calls all people to just believe. An unconditional loving God will take you as you are. Sounds pretty true. Sounds, sounds pretty dang true. Okay, let's hear the second gospel. and let's Remember, it's a subtle difference. Okay, but let's hear the second one. God is holy. We have all sinned, separating us from God. But God sent his son to die on the cross and rise again so that we might be forgiven and begin to follow the son as king and Lord. Anyone who repents and believes can have eternal life. A life which begins today and stretches into eternity. We're not justified by works. We're justified by faith alone. Here's a good one, you guys. And this is in James. You guys will probably remind, remember this. But the faith which works is never alone. The gospel, therefore, calls all people to repent and believe. A contra-conditionally loving God will take you contrary to what you deserve and then enable you to, by the power of the Spirit to become holy and obedient. There's the action we're talking about. Where was I? Okay. Become holy and obedient like his son by reconciling yourself to himself. God also reconciles you to his family, the church, and enables you as his people to represent together his own holy character and triune God. So why? To represent together as a church body his own holy character and triune God. Do you guys see the difference in that? We have, we have this first gospel that is super close, and you wouldn't really notice it if you didn't really listen and dig into it. It sounds like the, our, the gospel we believe, but there wasn't any action in it, was there? It was, it was this belief of just, I believe, and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be involved. I, I can just keep God to myself because, you know, it's just between me and God. But I don't have to. I don't have to do anything. Versus this other gospel, which creates action. And so the first one. What did it say? The first one will probably shut down any talk of church discipline, but the second one will start the conversation. Okay. So here we're going to tear it apart now. This guy is. This is all his stuff in his book. So what do you think? Which one of these two Gospels better characterizes what um, you guys believe the Bible teaches? Okay, the first one, or the first version emphasizes Christ as Savior. The second version emphasizes Christ as Savior and Lord. We understand Lord means someone that's in charge of us. Someone that, that we follow. Okay? 
The first version points to Christ's new covenant, covenant, Christ's new covenant work of forgiveness. The second version includes both this and the Spirit's new covenant work of regeneration, the change in our lives. The first version points to the new status that Christians have as children of God. The second version includes both the new status and the new job description that Christians are given as citizens of Christ's kingdom. The first version points to Christians' reconciliation with Christ. The second version points to a Christian's reconciliation with Christ and Christ's people. If your, church, if your understanding of the gospel stops with the first version, you will not... Mu- you will not have much use for the topic of church discipline or for the book. But if you embrace the second one, then there is a longer conversation to have. Aside from being an explicit biblical mandate, church discipline is an implication of the second version. Everything affirmed in the first version is true, right? All that was true, but it was just missing something is the point. Okay, everything affirmed in the first version is true, but there's more to say. Left to itself, it tends to yield a belief in cheap grace. The second version, I believe, is more robust account of biblical gospel and is more likely to lead to understanding of the kind of grace that calls Christians to take up their cross and follow Jesus in the holy mission. You guys, that cheap grace... Just like the song that Adam just explained, cheap grace. How cheap was it for Jesus? It was not cheap at all. We don't want, like, we don't want cheap grace. We don't want to represent cheap grace. Man, it wasn't cheap, it was expensive. Beaten, spit on, like Adam said, all all the people were mocking him, right? Embarrassed, naked. Tortured, absolutely. It wasn't cheap at all. Okay. So wars against cheap grace is isolation, isolationism, right? Me and God by myself up in the mountains. Me and God by myself in my house. Um, God speaks to me and I, I've got all these new things that God spoke to me that nobody else knows. Isolationism. There's a big problem with that. Okay. Should we practice church discipline? Absolutely. Is it loving to the individual that he or she might be warned and brought to repentance? Absolutely. Let's see the example in Hebrews chapter 3. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart... (coughs) Sorry. Lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and the departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. Simply meaning like, it's today. Like, guys, we're not promised five minutes of walking out of this church. Like, he's saying today. Today is, let's do it today while you still have today. Okay? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our Confidence steadfastly to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts. 
We're getting into discipline. Don't just get mad when we, kids, like when your parents, they know better than you. Like, trust me. Like, they, they're older. They've done the things you've done. They know. Trust their discipline. Trust it. It says it in the Bible. You know who wrote that? Who, who came up with it? Yeah. God, the creator. But you guys, I'm not disappointed at you. Like, this was very convicting to me as I read this. This should be convicting to all of us. And conviction is a great thing. It brings happiness because we're getting the truth and the true Jesus through that. So today, do not harden your hearts. Be humble. Don't rebel. Most often, most often, discipline occurs informally and privately. A brother or sister in Christ sins, and another brother or sister with love quietly addresses the matter. Okay? Discipleship exists in part because people, including Christians, are prone to self-deception. We are, none of us are above this. Self-deception. Okay? That's why the apostles again and again warn Christians to be dis- or not to be deceived. We see that in 1 Corinthians. We see that in Galatians. We see that in James. Let no one deceive himself, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And elsewhere, evil people and imposters will go on from bad, from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Both. We see that in 2 Timothy. It's easy to say... We have no sin and so deceive and, and so deceive ourselves. John says in 1 John 1 through 1 verse 8, even our very desires are deceitful. Ephesians 4:22. Okay, so we've been using the phrase we've people have been using this phrase. And uh, Jake was talking about last week of just home group and how important it is and just getting plugged in. And he even read some scripture that just talked about that. And he even, I'm pretty sure he mentioned something about like core groups. And we don't have core groups going on out here. But the importance of these core groups is just intimate one-on-one, or not one-on-one, but a small group, you know, like guys and girls. So like you can just be very intimate and very real and raw. And what it's called in this is checking each other's blind spots. Like no one wants to crash, right? You want someone saying... Don't turn. There's someone there. Right? Okay, so it's we, we should be accepting this and humbling ourselves and wanting this. Checking each other's blind spots. Okay? So eternal security is a community project. It's a congregational affair. The solution of fighting self-deception is to invite discipline. Okay, that's how we, that's how we whip it. We ask for correction. We welcome rebuke. This is the way of humility and wisdom. Local churches exist in part to protect us from ourselves. You guys, if it seems funny to we like we need to be protected from ourselves. If we didn't need to be protected from ourselves, that cheap grace we talked about, Jesus on that cross, he didn't need to do that. But he did it. Because we do need to be protected of ourselves. From ourselves, rather. Right? That's the Ephesians um, 4.22. Even our very desires are deceitful. Okay? It's the brothers and sisters around us who love us and are committed to our good that help us to see the things we cannot see about ourselves. 
We are not the world's experts on us. So, left to my own devices, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. I'm going to say I prayed about it. And then I'm going to go and do what I want anyway. That's this deception we're talking about, and we like to stamp God's approval on it. And that scares the tar out of me when I'm thinking about that with myself. Lord God, I just want to pray to you right now, Lord. Like there's these next few um, verses that of your word I'm going to quote, God. And um, man, I just pray that it would just it would speak to us like the rest of this, Lord. I just as I was reading it, it was heavy on me, Lord. And I know I'm not alone in just deceiving myself. And and man, I just desire this holiness that you're speaking about and just how great that is, Lord. So I just pray that you would be with us and you would just... If we get if we walk away from anything today, Lord, I pray that these few scriptures right here, they would stick in our mind, God. And, and maybe when we are frustrated or we're mad at our parents or we're mad at our wife or we're mad at our husband or we're mad at our kids, Lord God, I, or we're mad at you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would... We would go to these these verses to humble ourselves, to get us back square and aligned on your foundation of truth, Lord. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, you guys, Proverbs 18.1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. I know too much. I'm not going to hear anything from anybody else. I'm too smart. I've read the whole Bible cover to cover, I know. I've studied it more than everybody else, by myself. Well, the Bible says, right here, him who isolates himself desires his own self and rages against wise judgment. Judgment. Here's the other one, you guys. Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is where we're talking about our friends, our brothers and sisters, our parents, our pastors, our elders, whoever coming to us and saying, Lonnie, it hurts my feelings when you call me Jose. I'm joking, it doesn't. I promise it doesn't. I love it. But we don't get irritated about it. Right? Like, it might hurt. Because walking away from self and sin, right? Like, selfishness leads us to sin, and then sin, Satan's got us. But it all comes from self. What I want in the moment, what feels good to me right now. Right? Those, so that, that hurts. Those wounds hurt when you have to stop doing that. No question. But it's faithful those wounds that come from a friend that come alongside you and like, come on, quit. Just quit. Love Jesus. Look, have a lens that Jesus looks through and how you serve, how you lead, how, like any and everything. You, you fill in the blanks. Because the other side of that coin is the kisses of the enemy and they are deceitful. This deceitfulness that we're just talking about where we deceive ourselves and other people. The apostles constantly warn us through the scriptures of how other people are going to deceive us. 
Man, you kids, the world's coming at you. And the world's going to keep coming at you. Wave after wave. And they're going to tell you to do the worst stuff. The worst. And all your friends are going to be doing it. And you're going to think, it's fine. I don't care if my parents say it's wrong. I don't care if the Bible says it's wrong. It's fun. My friends are having fun doing it. And you guys, like the world is not going to quit coming at you. But man, that's all deceitfulness. And there's nothing but death and destruction for that. And I speak from experience with that. Complete experience. So it's just encouragement. That's encouragement for us as adults as well. Okay, the next one, you guys. Proverbs 12.1. And this kind of goes right with, also, in my mind, Proverbs 1.7, I think it is. Don't hold me to that. But, um, but it says in Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. Like, if you're not being taught, how are you learning? Yes, you can go and learn on your own and stuff, but do you, is there probably better and easier ways? Absolutely. So we need to love instruction. The other, what else goes with this, this scripture? It says, but he who hates correction, this is what the Bible says. He who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> Straight up. That's what the Bible says. Flat stupid. And that's the Jose version. That's the Jose version, just saying what the Bible says. That's even the NIV version. <laughs> I think that's pretty important if these different versions of the Bible say the same thing. Like, there's a very, very hard point right here that we want to get hit in the face with to get our head jerked around. He who hates correction is stupid. I hate correction. I do. But praise the Lord, and His Spirit lives in me, to convict me of that and to give me words like this that a dummy like me can understand. is I don't want to be called stupid. Because of my actions through my whole life, it is a running joke with all of my old friends that I am absolutely illiterate and stupid, right? But, and, I jo- and I go along with that, I joke it, but I don't really love it. Like, I don't want to be stupid. I want to be smart. I want to be known as being smart. Now, you can take that too far and... But that's not the point. We're not going there. Anyways. We see in Hebrews 12, um, 3 through 11, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not desire, despise. sorry, do not despise, <laughs> that would ruin this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a check and you passed. It says, my son, do not despise the chastening. Is it chastening or chastening, Alan? Chastening. Chastening, yeah. okay. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For what the Lord loves He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Scourges, which means draw forth blood in that verse there. It goes on to say, if you endure chastening, 
God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there from whom a father does not chasten? They should be able to hit home as parents. Right? Chastening is good. It causes good things. We all know somebody that has children that do not chasten them, do not discipline them, and we don't want to be around them, do we? Because of their children. We, I will say, I go as far as, and this is terrible, I, I think to myself, I don't like that kid. Whose fault is that? The kid's fault? How is that? So we love our children. We chasten them. It's this amazing image that we should not be screwing up. Our Father, He's saying it right here. Like, He loves us. If you're not being chased, chastened by God, if you're not feeling convicted, like, we, I don't think this is a problem here, but, like, I have some family members like, oh, I don't like that fire and brimstone stuff. We talk about people's sin and, and just how wicked people are. And conviction, I don't like that conviction stuff. Like, really? Keep reading your Bible because what I just read right here, it says you are not a son of God. What does it mean if you're not a son or daughter of God? Go to hell. Yeah. Is it hell outside? Okay. Here we go. If you endure chasing, uh, God deals with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers then you are an illegitimate bastards and not sons. Since then, not to be chastened is to mark is a mark of bastardy. Bastardy. That's what it says. Bastardy. <laughs> I'm just like getting away with cussing in church right now. So <laughs> that's what was me showing up. Okay. Um, we ought not to refuse, but rejoice in chasten, chastenment as a mark of our genuine sonship. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in sub, subjection to the Father of spirits and life? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as, as seemed best to them. But he, for our prophet, that we may be partakers of his holiness. This is the, the title of this whole section. Church discipline to holiness. Okay, That we may be partakers of his holiness, God's holiness. Now no chastening seems to be a joy... Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present... But not painful. Okay, the J.B. Phillips says, Now obviously, no chastening seems pleasant at any time. In fact, most unpleasant. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We read through scripture, when we read about fruit, we, it's the outward thing that we get to see as humans. We get to see God's work by the fruit of what happens through whatever God is doing and moving and use the way he's using us. It's loving to Christ to his holy name. I'm sorry. It's loving to Christ to his holy name would be upheld and obeyed. 
Holiness and righteousness are the issues here. Discipline is unpleasant, but in the end produces a holy people by distinguishing between the world and the church. How do we know the difference between the world and the church? If we are not being holy, how do we get to this holiness? This amazing gospel. The truth that Jesus came and died for our sins and for our wickedness so that we would obey, that we would be obedient, we would love people well, we would be selfless. Courtney, my wife, read me an awesome deal. We were talking about this stuff and um, she, through one of her studies she's doing, she she come across it and it was, you know, that's how the Lord works, right? Like an old country song singing about whatever is going on in your life, but better because it's Jesus. Don't quote that, kids. Um, But she read this deal and it said something along the lines of, if, oh gosh, how'd it go? It it went something along the lines of, if you're being selfless, who do you have to to fight with? Why would you be fighting with anybody? If you're being selfless, are you trying to be right? Are Are you trying to prove a point? No. Not at all. So who do you have to fight with if you're being selfless? Now, I mean, we don't, we're not saying we just let people walk the length of us. You know, there's, there's things like that. But most times, like, what are, are we being selfless? The way Jesus, God, came and served instead of being served. It's incredible. Well, you guys, I think... I stopped super abruptly last time, and I'm going to do it again because there's um, a whole another half of this section, and Rory can next week can fix everything that I messed up, like the way I said that last deal. It was kind of important. I heard you giggle about it, Naomi. Like poking fun. But um, you guys, I I just encourage you. Proverbs eighteen one, Proverbs twenty seven six, Proverbs twelve one can't get around those things like discipline is good for all of us it's amazing it's a blessing from God and we should accept it and want to grow and want to change and want to be more holy in every aspect of our lives every bit of our lives yes Uh, um, just to add a little something to what you're saying Romans um, 12 one says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, yes. that you may prove what the will of God is, is, is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. I, as I was studying this week, I, I got led to that exact same thing. It just fits with that so well. What was the middle part? Read the middle part of that. I'm sorry, I just shut That's it. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I wanted to remember when you said it. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 